Coming up on today's Locked On Senators, we're joined by Mark Mathot for the entire show. Yep, we talk about NHL playoffs, which series surprised him, physicality in the playoffs, Eric Brandstrom debate, and we get to some mailbag questions. All of it is brought to you by Farm to Fork. Visit farm2forkdelivery.ca and use SENS40 for $40 off your first purchase. It's barbecue season. Celebrate it at Farm to Fork. You will never go back to grocery store meats. This is the Locked On Senators Podcast. It's your team every day. Your Locked On Senators, your daily podcast on the Ottawa Senators. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Jake Sanderson, and you're listening to Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Tim Stützle, and you're listening to the Locked On Senators Podcast. Welcome inside episode 784 of the Locked On Senators Podcast. I'm Ross Levitan on the outskirts of enemy territory in Winnipeg, Manitoba, alongside Brandon Pillar up in the Blue Mountains. And we also have boots on the ground in our nation's capital. Mark Mathot joins us for the entirety of today's show. Monday Mathots, we'll get some mailbag questions and, of course, the great debate. Math, before we get to all that, how are you doing? How are you enjoying the first week of the playoffs? It's been fantastic, Ross. I, I haven't had the opportunity to go to a game like you have, obviously, and I'd love for the team to get to that point maybe next season but no the games have been fantastic a lot of controversy with the fi- oh there's the towel <laughs> that's great the white though. out the vibe like like that it, like the true north bombs that are being posted on um those little shorts on on twitter incredible man in that building it's one of the most electric ones in the nhl i gotta give them props there so uh, it's been nice to see but look at all these series i mean outside of maybe boston's um they've been really competitive and uh i've been enjoying every minute what's been your favorite series so far i gotta think you you love that uh jets golden Knights series that's mark mcthought type playoff hockey i've been well i've been yeah and on the weekend it's funny like finally we had an afternoon game so i didn't have to stay up until 10 to start the game (laughs) but um yeah that first period was an absolute war and uh really enjoying that and then of course uh the tampa series has been fantastic um, I watched the Dallas, like Dallas, Minnesota has been an undercover competitive series as well. Not that I'm surprised, pretty, pretty on par teams with each other for the most part. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, there's been some good ones out there. Save of the weekend, like play of the weekend. I would almost say that Ottinger save with clock ticking down there. Right at the end on Johansson. Yeah. Right then, not just that though. The two breakaways, like the two back-to-back breakaways, I think it was in the second period. I forget exactly when, but He's been outstanding. And, uh, um, you know, a little controversy there with the officiating on the Felino hits. And I know I'm old school. Um, I say I'm old school. I'm only, what, four or five years removed now. But well, so, um, so is my, the Felino family is pretty old school, too. Yeah. Well, yeah it's more mentality it's like, than anything. Yeah. yeah and, and it's just a classic. And, and I, I hated that call. Like the one, especially the one, well, both of them, but especially the call on Hank and Pa, who I'm a huge fan of. Me that too. huge mutant on the back end for Dallas is so effective. And he's been a nice fill-in for Oleksiak that they got that they lost to Seattle. So, um, no, I, I don't like the hit. I mean, he identifies uh, the plays happening. Felino's Marcus is 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 anticipating the play. Takes a little bit of a run, maybe, but it's the playoffs. I'm okay with that. Hankapa's a big boy. 
uh, lays a clean hit, doesn't get up, skates don't leave the ice, shoulder to shoulder. And I think Garrett Rank, I don't usually call out referees. I think he was calling that game. I could be wrong there, but I hate that call. I hate it every day, all day. Um, it just, it, the physicality is, is one of the very essences of the postseason, right? It, it creates drama. It creates storylines. It creates scrums. Um, so it's a shame that it's heading that direction. I'll leave it at that. Don't like the call. Meth, is that one of those things where maybe that's a Marcus Felino call, but not called on other people just because of the reputation that guy has where the refs are saying, hey, if yeah. we give him an inch, he's going to take a mile. And then that's where the kind of line is for us calling that. So is that them being like, hey, that was a little close, a little late of a hit on Hawk and Paw there. We're not going to let you get the, get away with that. So we're going to call you so you know you can't cross that line. Like, how do you feel about right. that? Well, I agree that they should not be approaching it that way. And it's easy to say, because obviously everybody's got a reputation and you're, you know, uh, the radar pops up a little quicker with mm-hmm. certain guys and you're going to be a little more uh, prone to call there. But I don't know. I just, I, I again, I, it's the physicality thing that I just hate seeing leave the game. And it just seems like it's trending that direction more and more uh, at times. Uh, but I don't know how you how you approach that because they called it an interference. So it's like, okay, yeah. so make up your mind then. So what is it? You know, is it a charge? If it's late, uh, you know, you could call it maybe a roughing penalty or a, a charge. I, I don't know, but you call it an interference call. So are they penalizing him because it looked like an aggressive hit? And, you know, and, and it was it's something you you just don't see very often anymore. I don't know. I, I could I could break this down in many different ways. At the end of the day, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure they're going to have a meeting. I'm sure the NHL is going to address this at some point because they're getting so much criticism now uh, for for the inconsistencies that we're seeing in the first round. And there was another call later on that evening too in the Edmonton game. Uh, it was the Kevin Fiala hit, I think, right? Or the tripping call that they had. Like, what was that? It was insane. So I, I think they have an issue right now and it's taken away from the game. Uh, it's a distraction, uh, and I, I don't like to lump on officiating guys. I know how important or how difficult it is. I mean, these guys are skating at the same time, at the same pace that the players are. Uh, it's one of the fastest games in the NHL. So I have to understand, people have to understand that when you're making these calls on the fly on the ice at ice level, it can be very challenging. But we're just seeing it happen too often now. It's, it's, it's turning into a joke. Well, the Winnipeg-Vegas game I was at Saturday, there were nine penalties in the first period. Yeah, like, come on. <laughs> A lot of those were kind of even up calls, but then they grabbed an extra get out of the first scrum where Mark Scheif yeah. was trying to go full full whack. But it's on, on, yes, uh, but it's oh. but the problem is it's 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 influencing the outcomes now. Totally, and, and that's my problem, right? Like like the Felino hit, just as an example, not to get in too deep into this, but that cost that cost them a goal. They scored yeah. right after, I think, on that power play. So it's like that's that's too bad, and it's a damn shame. So. Like I said, when it starts to influence the outcomes of the games, like like significantly, and you're seeing it happen in a lot of games now, that's when I think it's becoming a real issue. And uh, I have no doubt that the NHL is going to try to rectify it. All it takes is to sit down and say, guys, listen, this is going to be the standard here. You know, the infractions when it comes to the sticking penalties, the holds, I agree. Be consistent there. Uh, but the rough stuff, like the the, 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 the the finishing of the checks, the small little scrubs, let them play. Let them play. No one's getting hurt. Anyway, that's all I got. No, it's been a fantastic first week of the playoffs, though. We only have two teams that have their opponent on the ropes, and they're the two top seeds in the East. The two top seeds in the West have only played three games, Colorado and Vegas, both leading their series two to one. But, Matt, 
are we still okay with the lightning? Like, how are you feeling after that back and forth? Yeah. The lightning outplayed the Leafs in game three, but obviously they aren't able to get it done. Leafs win in overtime. It's always the hope that kills them, though, Matt. It's always the yeah, hope. Yeah, I know. And exactly. And, and, and it's funny because if based off of the Maple Leaf history, uh, you know, over the last couple of seasons, that was a game that they would typically lose, right? They're getting outplayed. They're going to lose it anyway. Uh, now, you know, they've got a little bit more resolve. Uh, you could blame officiating all you want, but I think that was a game that they just kind of figured a way. They figured out a way to win the game. And O'Reilly, clutch player, comes in, left his mark as well. They didn't have those guys before. Now they have them. Luke Shen. Who who, who thought we'd be talking about Luke Shen as an example of an impactful player in a series in his own right, right? So, you know, and, and people can argue it all they want. They can throw the analytic book at me all they want, which, by the way, I know I got into a huge spat with a lot of people over analytics and, and Eric Branstrom and the Ottawa Senators decor. I'm not going to segue into that just yet, but as an example, I'm not a hater. Analytics only favored me when I played. Like it, it worked out in my favor. Mark like, Mathot, analytics darling. Yeah. Like I'm not here to shit all over them. That's not my, that's not what I'm trying to do. And, and I, I have nothing but respect for guys like Travis Yost, all these people that want to, uh, you know, kind of, add that element to the game and it just makes it more enjoyable. It's great for people that like to bet, uh, you know, like having those numbers always works in your favor. It adds layers uh, to the game as well as a fan or as an, as an analyst. I just, I thought, I thought the outrageous claim of comparing Brandstrom to, to Sanderson that kind of threw me off a little bit, but, but you look now, this is just reinforcing my point. Players like Jake McCabe, like Luke Shen, we're seeing how effective they are in the postseason. You see the the impact they have, and it's it's crazy to me because we you call it I call this every year. It's it's a it's a big man's game because you get away with just a little bit more of that physicality, and that's why I was advocating for Ottawa to do something about it. And that'll lead me into my next point. I don't know if you guys want me to go there just yet, but I, I do love the series right now with the Leafs in Tampa. I'm going to be glued to the screen again tonight. Um, I just I just think. I think it's still anybody's game, uh, but as we all talked about prior to the series, I think with the depth that Toronto was adjusted with, by the way, love the Kyle Dubas emotional aspect involved the other night. I think that's freaking fantastic. You hear he was, huge... yelling, he was yelling at Leaf fans? I watched all of it. And, and, and that's fans? another thing. He's a big analytical guy, and I love Kyle. We talk a little bit. He follows me on Twitter. He he reached out a while, no, rather, I reached out a while back and told him that I liked what he did at the trade deadline. And uh, he got back to me eventually and was just saying that he's a huge fan of the banter, the back and forth guy. Like, he knows that a lot of my shtick is just getting under the skin. I'm not always being serious about it, but love the emotion. Love what he showed at the Tampa game. I love the chirps. Um, I'm just, again, you guys can tell, I'm just passionate about this first round. It's been great. It really has. That's a tease in the industry. We'll get into more of that. We got a mailbag question up on Twitter. Lots of great questions coming in. We'll get to those with Meth, and I'm going to convince him that Eric Brandstrom should be on the Ottawa Senators coming up next. That's all next. You're listening to Locked On Senators. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends over at Game Time. If there's any Leafs fans or Lightning fans listening to this and you want to head to Game 4, 
There's only one way to do it. You got to hit up game time. It's the perfect spot for buying last minute tickets with killer deals and their best price guaranteed. So you don't have to stress over tickets and you can start getting hyped for the fun you're going to have. Forget planning months in advance. Forget worrying and stressing. Game time makes it easy with exclusive flash deals for football, basketball, baseball, hockey, concerts, comedy, theater, and more. The game time guarantee means you'll get the best price. If you find tickets, it's in the same section and row for less somewhere else. Game time will credit you 110% on the difference. And you get images of your seats when you buy. So you know that you're getting a good view. Buy your tickets in a matter of seconds. Just two taps, one, two, and you're all set. Tickets are sent directly to your phone. No digging through your email. No getting the printer out. None of that. Snag the tickets without the stress with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use code Locked On NHL for twenty bucks off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, guys, check it out. Game Time, create an account, redeem code Locked On NHL for twenty bucks off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Today's episode is also brought to you by Farm to Fork. Head to Farm to Fork Delivery to taste the farm to fork difference. That's the number two farm to fork. And this is the perfect time to be going to farm to fork because well, barbecue season is either here or just around the corner, depending on what part of the country you live in. But whether you're in a lot of those parts, you can get farm to fork. I'm talking Pembroke. I'm talking Peterborough. I'm talking Laval, Montreal, Armprior, all these different spots. If you're in Belleville, the Bay of Quinty, Kingston, you're all eligible for farm to fork delivery. So head to the website, save a ton especially with our promo code SENDS40. It'll get you $40 off your first purchase. That's an elite deal. Get steaks on the house over at Farm to Fork. These are flash frozen at the butcher's table, individually vacuum sealed, so you take out only what you want that day. Load up and then only go to the grocery store for your produce because you don't know how long that meat's been sitting at the grocery store. You don't want to know. You don't need to know. You have Farm to Fork delivery. So go check them out farm to fork delivery.ca and use promo code sends 40 to get you $40 off your first purchase. It's farm to fork delivery tastes the farm to fork difference. You will never go back to grocery store meats. All right. Locked on senators Monday, April 24th. We are already almost two weeks since the end of the send season. And I'm already itching for training camp to come back. Pillsy. Which game are you looking at tonight on the slate? What's your parlay of the day? I'm putting you on the spot here. Ooh, parlay of the day. I don't have one set up, but I'm definitely, Ross, uh, looking out for that Jets-Golden Knights game. I mean... What do you like in it? I I think I'm going to go... Hellebuck needs to have a bounce-back save. I'm going to go Hellebuck saves, hit the over on Hellebuck saves, and Jets money line. There's no way... The Winnipeg Jets lose two games at the whiteout. So I, I I told everyone when they bashed my Jets pick, Connor Hellebuck is going to be the difference. So I'm Let's backing him up. two goals on his first two shots at home. I, I know. <laughs> my God. Yeah, that was tough. So, but that's actually, I'm, I was going to say I'm glad that happened. But it's almost better that that happened at home. That's a big wake-up call, Meth. I'm sure uh, you can attest to this. If you get embarrassed at home right away, you can be pretty sure that that team is going to have a lot of pride. They're going to want to get back and they're going to have a huge bounce back game, in my opinion. So Pillsy's parlay of the day on FanDuel, Connor Hellebuck saves parlayed with Jets money line. Ooh, Matt, do you ever get into the, to the FanDuel or what? 
Not your thing? Not my thing. I'm not, it, I'm not a big a not a big gambler. Not a big gambling guy. What, but, what about but other sports like football or anything? You don't uh, nope. get in the mix there? Nope. Nope. No, I'm kind of boring in that regard, and I apologize. No, I got. no that's uh, responsible. Responsible. No, no. All good. Hey, I have a question actually about that series. You've been in locker rooms, decor. You need guys who play big minutes. How does the group respond when your stud is out? Obviously, Josh Morrissey yeah. only played a minute in the last game. He's out the rest of the series. Obviously, it's easy to say, well, yeah, the other guys just have to step up and play more minutes. But is there like, a, is, is it a group thing? Is it, uh, you know, the other offensive defensemen? How do you handle that in the room? Oh, well, you'll need a guy to step up. Your power play gets screwed up a little bit, right? So you have to figure something out there and find a solution that works. Uh, but I think ultimately it's it's another challenge. I mean, I think as a player, you you don't like it in the moment when you're getting that kind of news that maybe you're stud. Like in our case, if it's like losing Eric Carlson, right? Like if, when we were on a run, for example, it's devastating. Uh, but at the end of the day, like no one's coming in to help you. Your GM's not going to go pick up a guy. So it's an internal issue. And I think I think the biggest thing for me would be you really have to drive the point home to the forward group to, to really be focused in on coming back properly, tracking back, getting good back support, which, which you're advocating for anyway, um, whether Morrissey's in the lineup or not. But I think there's going to be a big emphasis on getting good back support. Guys are going to have to make sure they're above all their top players when you're playing against guys like Eichel and Mark Stone, et cetera. So um yeah i mean it's not much more deep than that and then you're gonna have to expect more from some of your depth pieces you know those those that third pairing you're gonna have to play a little bit more you're gonna have to get a little uncomfortable but that's that's the nhl playoffs and this isn't this isn't an exclusive issue to the winnipeg jets it's not it's not much more complicated than that it's adversity i had a great laugh at you talking about mark stone being uh the ambassador of the city was was (laughs) was on, on twitter um Pilsy, you got anything else for him before we we got a lot of great mailbag questions. So uh, yeah, throw it over that. Let's do one more playoff uh, question, then we'll we'll hit some Sens uh, focus talk here. Which which series has surprised you? Just kind of uh, an open ended question here. Has there been one series where you're like, ooh, this yeah. is not the way I thought this was going to go? I think. Well, I'm looking at my list now because there's so many to pay attention to. Yeah. I think for me initially, I thought Edmonton. This this could I probably was a little naive just because I'm. I've got a bit of a, a cheer on for McDavid. I just want to see him yeah. play longer than just a first round exit, right? So I thought Edmonton was going to do a little bit better. So maybe, maybe there, but then again, five on five. I mean, Los Angeles has been terrific. I mean, I, I just haven't watched them enough this year, I guess. And that's probably on me. Um, so I was a little, a little silly taking a sweep on that series. Uh, and I think Carolina, like with no Svechnikov, like I still had Carolina winning at six. Um, and I, but I know a lot of people had Islanders, right. And that's, I, I, I don't blame them for that. So I'd say, I didn't think that Carolina would win as handedly as they have been. Not that, not that the Islanders haven't been playing well, but having that three, one series, this is something I foresaw right away. So maybe those two right off the top of my head. Um, otherwise everything's pretty much business as usual. I, I knew Boston was going to probably make pretty short work. I had yeah. the Rangers winning. Um, I've got, I've got, I had the avalanche Dallas, Minnesota. I knew was going to be a bit of a crapshoot. I still have Dallas, but I'm not sure there. Cause I think if, if you're watching that series, Minnesota has been giving them fits. I don't think Dallas anticipated that physical response. Minnesota should have won. They should have won yesterday. They were given a couple, they were given a couple gifts and, and I'm biased. I want Dallas to win. Uh, I just thought, I just, I've been surprised with 
the response from Minnesota and how physical they've been playing. So other than that, that's probably it. All right, with that, let's hit the mailbag. We got a lot of great questions. Appreciate everyone who uh, who engages with the account and with the Twitter and with the show as well. Uh, I'm going to start out with the playoff question here, and, and I know you already touched on the officiating, so I'll leave that one be, that sends fan. Appreciate that. Um, but this one here, um, I guess it's not really a playoff question as much as it is a Canadian question, but obviously with Toronto, everybody's under the microscope. It's kind of the same way in Montreal. Now, Michael asks, is is Ottawa considered that around the league as well, where it's like, oh, I don't want to be playing there under the microscope? Is it considered like a hard market like the Montreal and Toronto's? In, in where? In Winnipeg or here? Oh, no, no, in Ottawa. In Ottawa. Eh, no, no, it's not. Ottawa's, Ottawa's a sweetheart market compared to those other two, right? I mean, I think you're talking about the two meccas of hockey, so it's a tough comparison. I... um. I mean, certainly there's more media here. There's more media here in Ottawa, even than you'd play than you'd have in most American markets. And then, um, you know, you're recognized everywhere you go here. So that's another one. And that's also largely in part that you're playing in Canada. It's a smaller market. So you're, you're getting more exposure. Um, but I think, I think if you're a good player and you're competitive, um, it's a great motivator. I like for me, playing in Canada, like they're like, and I love my time in Columbus, but it's just different, right? Because, uh, you know, people take it seriously here and, and you you don't have to battle. You're not fighting against, you know, an, an elite uh, football team like OSU that I had to deal with when I was in Columbus or, you know, maybe in Dallas, you, well, Dallas is Dallas. It's a huge metropolis. So you've got the Mavs, got the Rangers, et cetera. So, um, you know, you're, there's more notoriety here. Uh, media can be unforgiving at times, depending on the situation of the team. And I think that's what it comes down to. If the team's in a good playoff position, things are trending pretty well. Um, it's, it's a lot of fun. If you're not making the postseason and you're on a team that's been struggling and the expectation level was pretty high going into the, going into the season, kind of like this year to a degree, uh, it can be a little unforgiving depending on the year you're having. So, uh, I think it, the, the solution is simple. I'll keep this very short. If you're a player, do not use social media. I think and you're seeing it around the NHL. How many NHL players, current players are actually consistently engaging with fans? Not Maybe very Brad much. Marchant. That's about it. That's about it, right? Yeah. I can remember back in like 2012, 2013, even when I was in the playoffs those years, I was engaging with fans. But it's become so polarizing that it's just not fun anymore. And there's so many, there are so many lunatics online now that are not shy to just spew garbage and venom at you. And I'm talking about actual players, not myself. I bring it on myself, like most people, if you're engaging a lot with people. That comes with the territory. I can accept that. I don't really care. It's fine. But if you're playing and you've got some, you know, nacho eating nerd in his basement, you know, just like a slob engaging with you, telling you how awful of a player you are. If you have the foresight of understanding that you're probably engaging with some degenerate sitting in his parents' basement, no offense. I've lived in my mom and dad's basement too. It's okay. Yeah, that's right. But you know, if you're, if you're a multi-million dollar athlete <laughs> playing in high pressure situations, you're maybe you don't pay charter, eating filet mignon, reading maybe, what to say. Not, not, not to say that the money is validating, dismissing certain people. I'm just saying you have to understand your audience. So, you know, and I know, and I know for a fact, a lot of players do pay attention to it. And it's a shame because it's not good for your mental health. And, you know, when things are great, great you get that little dopamine hit when you read oh that felt good i just read somewhere that mark Mathot was great tonight you know that's cool but it's very unhealthy and as soon as things start to go south which they inevitably will at some point in the year 
uh, it can really play tricks with your mind. So that would be my advice to most players, especially the young kids coming up. Use your platform for good. There's a charitable event coming up. You want to promote that a little bit? Great. That's fine. You've got some initiatives going on? Great. That's great. But do not search your goddamn name. Stay away from it. It is poison. Yeah, well, and the problem with that uh, meth is you might read a hundred good comments about yourself, but it's the one bad comment uh, that you're going to see, you. and that one is going to stick with you, unfortunately. So yeah. that's the problem with social media. Uh, here's a Monday mailbag question from at Brandon Pillar one. Brandon Pillar asks, <laughs> "Meth, love hearing you on the Locked On Centers podcast. Uh, earlier in an episode, you mentioned that the players are basically playing for free." in the playoffs i was just wondering how do the playoff pay wages go for nhl players wow great question. so you get you, thanks yeah it's a great it's a great question you get a bonus right like not very much and it's based i don't know how the percentages work but it's based on i think it's based on revenue on that series uh and you get like a small piece of the pie or whatever it is if you want to call it that i'm pretty sure but from a player standpoint it's an almost it's almost an insignificant amount of money like it's not it's not it's not really going to put a, t- a whole lot of food on the table for you as a player, right? Um I never played for that. Most players don't. I was just and, and that's why I want to make sure the lines don't get blurred there. That's not me saying that I think they should be making more money. That was brought up because we were talking about adding a play in series, I believe, right? Yeah. So I was I was coming from the point of view of incentivizing it a little bit more if you're going to try to make players play more hockey games, right? So uh but no, overall um I don't think it's changed much over the last couple of decades. Like that money is still relatively the same, not a lot, but I mean, the, the postseason, uh, it's such a special time of year that you don't need that to be a motivating factor. It's a nice thing to have if it was there, but it's certainly not a reason for the players to play. And I mean, the, the play itself speaks, it speaks for itself right now, right? You're watching the playoffs. Yeah. I mean, there's no better, in my opinion, of course, I'm biased. There's no better first round in any national sport, in my opinion, anywhere around the globe. I mean, the NHL playoffs, that first round is electric. And you're seeing, you saw the Charles Barkley quote where he talked about how he had to tune in to TBS to watch some hockey because that first round, whatever, I I don't know, I don't remember what game specifically he was paying attention to, but it was like watching paint dry. And I'm a big NBA guy. I played high school ball. I love basketball, but you can't compare the two. Hockey just crushes everything else. Matt, if you were a gambler, you would have known that it was the Denver Nuggets and Minnesota Timberwolves, the uh, half. Ah, there you, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was a good game for me. Um, yeah. All that aside, okay, we're, we're going to hit one more break. I do still have to convince uh, Mark Mathod about Eric Branstrom, but before we get to that break, Handsome Beavis writes in, would you rather fight two Branstrom-sized Brady Kachucks or one Brady Kachuk-sized Eric Branstrom? Oh, wow. Uh I'd go with the, the the smaller guy. I'd rather fight the smaller guy because I mean it's yeah. Oh, at the same time, yeah. And, they're, and consider they're Branstrom sized, but they are Brady Kachuk. But they are they have Brady. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Or, or and the alternative was two two Branstrom sized Bra- uh, Brady's. One Branstrom sized no two nope. <laughs> two Brady's with Branstrom's mindset. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> God, why is this so hard for me to comprehend right now? I'm having a very hard time with this question. Okay, I probably need another coffee. Let's switch the flip, Pilsy. Oh boy, flip the switch. Would you rather fight two Branstrom-sized Brady Kachucks? Yeah, or one Brady Kachuk-sized Eric Branstrom. 
yeah, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll take the Brady Kachuk size branch of it. I love Brandy. Like I, I'm sure he's a great dude, but Brady knows how to handle himself. Right. So, and I'm, and I'm relatively the same size as Brady. So I'd rather, I'd like my odds there rather than having to fight two nasty pit bulls. So we'll go with that. <laughs> there you go. Hey, Brandy did well in his one NHL fight. Again, yeah. yeah. luck during the, Can we, do, are we going to break first or do we want to get into that right now? Let's go to break quick break. Okay. First. All right. You're okay. listening to Locked On Senators. All right. Today's episode is brought to you by our friends, my friend, my friends, my family at Shawarma Palace. Oh my, my God. I love Shawarma Palace. Every time I come to Ottawa, this is my mindset. I can't wait to get some Shawarma Palace and maybe I'll check out a Sens game. I love eating there so much. Sends game days taste better when you have Shawarma Palace. And sometimes I'm wondering, where can I get Shawarma Palace? Uh, That's not a question that takes very long to answer because they have how many locations, Ross? Nine. 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 Nine locations. And let's say we just finished a night at the Glebe Central Pub. We're heading home. We're a little hungry. Uh, We don't want to head to any one of those nine locations. No problem. We can order Shawarma Palace on Uber Eats and have it delivered to Chateau Levitan so we can watch the late games of hockey right after. Shawarma Palace has the freshest, the tastiest ingredients. Whether you're a platter guy like Ross that takes two meals to finish because it's so much damn food at a great price, or if you're a slow eater and you don't need as much food like me, you go for the wrap because it's all conveniently right there and you can eat it on the go as well. So guys, check out Shawarma Palace. It is the best place for Shawarma, not just in Ottawa, not just in Ontario, but in Canada and some would even say the world, worldwide Shawarma. So check them out, visit Shawarma Palace at any nine locations or order online with DoorDash or Uber Eats. When you are loving Shawarma Palace, let them know that Locked On Senators sent you. Shawarma Palace sends games they taste better. Wish warm up, Palace. All right, back here, locked on Senators. Mess chomping at the bit. He's he's got saliva coming out of his mouth like I do when I walk into Shawarma Palace. But Matt, this is a conversation. It's going to take a lot of a lot of talk, I think, until we get a solution one way or another. It's polarizing. I'm going to lead into it this way though. How would you organize the top of the Senators' offseason checklist? Like you talk about getting another defenseman. Does that well, trump a goalie? Does that trump to bring it? Like, where where are you with like the top three priorities for the GM? So I think I think that that all got lost a little bit in the air when I mentioned how I would ideally like the decor to look. That doesn't mean I'm prioritizing going after another defenseman over a bottom six forward or a goalie. Obviously, those need to be addressed first. My line of reasoning was more just if I want this team to be taken seriously and I, and I think it's going to do some legitimate damage in the postseason, this is how I'd like my decor to look for next year. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, I don't know that they're going to even have the cap space. Of course, we don't know what's going to happen with the Brinkett, So that might influence that a little bit as well. But I think ultimately um, based off of what I'm seeing, and I think I've been, I think, I think I've been validated a little bit. I'm sure people will disagree with me and throw some fucking charts at me or something, some some graphs. Heat chart. But, but but when I'm watching the postseason now, and this this argument I had was a couple of days ago, I think, but I think I think you're seeing a trend and and the pendulum always goes back and forth, right? For a little while, you're seeing a lot of speed being integrated into the game. There's a lot of skill. And then every once in a while, you have a different flavor, a different mix come in, and they just 
you know, make quick work of everybody that they're playing against. And we're seeing it a little now where some of these physical teams that have that presence, even up front, like I mentioned, Minnesota is an example. Um, some of the heavier teams, Tampa's another good one. Like they're giving Toronto fits too, because they have those guys like Corey Perry's a power forward. You know, I never would have really called him. I guess he always was. Uh, I know I'm kind of deviating a little, I'm getting off topic, but you're, you're seeing how, how valuable it is to have some size in your lineup. That's all I'm saying. I'm not talking about, and, and, and people like to go to extremes to try to dunk on me when I make these, when I make these points, it's like, I'm not advocating for having six towering defensemen on the back end. I'm not saying that all I was saying was, and let's, I guess we'll stick to the point when I mentioned Eric Brandstrom, he is effective in my opinion, of course, as a top four player on the back end, if he's playing anywhere from 16, 17 to 25 minutes, depending on the scenario and who's hurt, he's effective because he's, He's called upon, he's relied upon to be effective in that regard, to play bigger minutes. And any player of that stature typically will play better when they're playing more minutes, you know, and and that's just the way it works. That's just the NHL. The same argument would apply to a player like Sanderson, Thomas Shabbat. Those guys don't do well when they're playing minimal minutes because they need the puck on their stick. They need to feel it. They need to get into that game mode, right? So, you know, I was just suggesting that if you can't, if he doesn't fit moving forward in your top four, which clearly he does not, I don't care who you are. He's not in your top four right now. That's just the situation that's going on in the back end. He's not going to play on your power play. He's not. He might occasionally play on the second unit if there's another injury, but that power play, that top four, it's going to be Sanderson, Chikrin, Shabbat, and probably a forward at least, right? So, I don't see him playing on the back end, really, on PK. He might. It's not ideal. He doesn't have reach. He's not very physical. Doesn't cover as much ice as some of the bigger guys do. Coaches are going to want to have some bigger bodies back there. And then, never mind the presence uh, the presence factor that I always talk about. I mean, when players come into the rink, you've got a lineup sheet. You're going to look at players, the guys you're going to be playing against that evening. This is a discussion that, by the way, I had with current, with two current and one former player. Uh, on the weekend because I, I wanted perspective. Oh, by the way, two more analysts too. Now I'm not saying so-and-so told me I was right. Therefore I'm correct, but I was given perspective. Okay. Can I keep going here? Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, so given the circumstances, we've already established, he's not going to be playing in your top four, just to reiterate what I was saying. And he's not going to be on your special teams. I like to use this as an example. So real briefly, just as an example, Toronto had Rasmus Sandin, right? Undersized, first-round draft pick. Numbers not far apart from each other between him and Eric Branstrom. A good player in his own right. But the Leafs identified something. We need to change the makeup of our back end. The current, the status quo wasn't working. We were getting pushed around too much in the postseason. And despite what, despite how effective he may have been in spurts during the year, Sandine, they figured, let's move him. He's an asset. Another team probably can use a quarterback, QB one or two on the power play, depending where you view them. Let's move them. So they cha- they move him. A team calls in. They real- Toronto realizes they get a first-round draft pick. Long story short, they move him. They bring in Shen. They bring in McCabe. The back end looks different. And now look what's happening. They're more effective. They're a better back end in light of that. So, you know, I, I-, I-, I just... I really I really think you move a player like Branstrom only because, and I'm not saying he's not good. I'm saying 
He, his identity, I don't know that you can utilize him properly on this team. You can't get the most out of the player. Therefore, it is in my opinion that you move that player, assuming you might be able to get a pretty good freaking return. I don't know. The Leafs got a first-rounder for Sandine. I'm not suggesting they're going to get that, but at least explore it. Bulk up the back end a little bit. They don't really have a deterrent back there. Like, Chickren's a good player. He's more of a two-way guy. He's a two-way player. He's not going to push you out of the building. He's just not. I know he's jacked. Looks like a great guy, but he's got a great shot. He's a two-way guy. They don't really have that big guy back there that can kind of kind of lay the law down a little bit when he needs to, but he's also can move a little, a little bit, right? So anyway, I know I'm dragging this on. I don't want to go too long, but I just think having a guy like, like, and I'm using Shen as an example now, I think he's a bit of an anomaly. He's having a great postseason, but a player that can just keep things very simple. He's reliable. He, he's not going to get lost up in the offensive zone too much and cost you odd man rushes. He's a guy that you know can eat those big minutes if you need him to. He'll block shots. Covers a lot of ground in the back end. That's what I was pushing for. I'm sure people have great arguments that Eric Branstrom should stay. Great. Have him as a depth guy. But the problem is, and be very careful. This is my last point. Be careful what you wish for. Because if you're going to have a guy like that back there who only excels in your top four, he's not going to be the same player anymore. He's going to regress a little bit. He's going to lose confidence, and he's not, he's not going to bring that same play that you're used to seeing him play during – Maybe a weird year where you had a bunch of injuries. Artem Zub had a broken jaw. Uh, Jake Sanderson had a breakout year. Great. Thomas Shabbat was hurt for long periods of time. So that allowed Brandstrom to get a lot more exposure. I'll leave it at that. Yeah, I like that. Now, last year, he almost played 20 minutes a game, and Shabbat was out for even longer, and it was just a bad year. There's no question. Is he going to do the same thing at 10 minutes? Is he going to do the same thing at 12 minutes? Probably not. But, hey, I hope. I hope they keep him. I'm so sick of this argument. (laughs) <laughs> and I'm sick of people saying, oh, not this exhausting argument again about Eric Branstrom. It's like, can you guys find me another five foot nine defenseman in the NHL playing on the third pairing? Don't throw me Spurgeon and a couple other Norris Trophy winners like Adam Fox hmm. and so on. Like, that's such a disingenuous bullshit argument. Like, I I like the player. He's a good player. I, I just don't see the, I don't see the fit here. Hey, they're throwing Kale McCarr's name at Kale McCarr, Jared Spurgeon, a top line defenseman, <laughs> Adam Fox, a recent Norris Trophy winner. Got like, him. Like Galaxy Brain at its finest. Like that's that you're you're not doing it, guys. Like I get it, and maybe maybe people just want to argue with me because I do have hot takes sometimes. It people pisses people off, and maybe they just don't like me, and they just want every fiber in their body <laughs> for me to be wrong. That's cool too. But if you're going to argue with me, give me a sound, reasonable argument. Because I just don't understand where you're coming from. Or a heat chart. Yeah, please send your heat charts at Mark Mathod 3 on Twitter. Just send them. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure it's extra crispy red, left defensive. Math, I think you'll like my argument, or at least appreciate it. Sure. And you touched on it. The top four guys haven't been able to stay healthy. Yeah. I don't have this guy on a one-year deal. I'm assuming it'll be like, a Mete deal. What was it? 1.1 1. 1 by 1. 1.1. 1. I, I don't know how he can really ask for that much more. Yeah. In your term, you you kick it down the road if you're able to solidify. Thomas Shabbat hasn't finished three straight seasons with injury. And I know. He, I know. It's always at the end of the year. Yeah. And that's and that's that's a good argument. That's a great argument. And see, like, I can have that discussion with you because you're presenting me a great argument. And, and, and I think... Great job, Ross. I'm only, again... 
when I'm looking at projections, I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to assume there's going to be an injury here or there. Like I'm looking at it as what does my top six look like in game one of the first round of the playoffs, right? I understand you can never have enough defensemen. I just don't, I'm just, my my worry again is that he's going to be buried early on. It's going to crush his confidence and maybe you're just wasting an asset, but great. Keep him. If chick, if chick can't stay healthy, if, uh, Thomas Shabbat can't stay healthy, then yeah, you're great. You're laughing at that point. I wasn't looking at it from that point of view. I'm looking at it as everyone's healthy. How do I want my my, my three pairings to look? That's all that was. Yeah, fair yeah. enough. Sorry, Pilsy, I want your take on this too. I feel like I've been going back and forth, but my my only secondary part of that is, yeah, they had three defense in the plate over 68 games last year, and one of them was Eric Branstrom. The others, Travis Hamanick, who the same people who want Branstrom probably want to kick Hamanick off the team too. So that in itself is kind of a one step forward, two steps back. And then Jake, right. by the way, third in the league in penalty killing time on ice this year. Shocked to see that Jake Sanderson already a superstar or becoming one. Yeah, yeah. The other half of the point is I'm sick of talking about acquiring a D. They finally went out and got a top. Oh four. yeah. I agree. Let's just let's just see this decor go. And the one name I can't throw out to you, and again, the game has changed so much since then. It's not, it's my tertiary argument. Is the last time the Sens had a decor this deep, Tom Pricing was on the third pair, and he was an undersized guy and did well in that role. Obviously, different situations, but I'm just I want to see what this can do and then maybe yeah. check in at the trade deadline. Hundred hey, percent. And again, this is just my opinion. Don't take it as gospel. And that's, I can't stress that enough to people. Like, cause it gets heated sometimes. And then I get like those, you get like those passive aggressive conversations in another sort of, you know, somewhere else, maybe in Twitter world yeah. where people are like shitting on me for it. And it's like, don't take it personally, guys. Like, it's just a, it's a hockey opinion. Like, disagree with me in a very, we can disagree in a very polite manner. Like, we're having this discussion right now. Great. But don't go shit talking me somewhere else just because you don't like my stance right. on a certain player. Who cares? We deserve better, Matt. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I want to chime on this a little bit too. Uh, Meth, I want to point you towards Eric Brandstrom's Fenwick numbers on Tuesday road games. Have you looked at that? That's a really big part of why he needs to be on the team. No, I'm just kidding. But um, I the the where I see value for Eric Brandstrom one word for me, versatility. This guy has so many different options for the Senators. And I'll, I'll start with what will be his cap hit. He's going to come in at a lower cap hit. Right now, the Ottawa Senators have all the leverage. He's a young RFA that hasn't proven himself. He's supposed to be Brandy Moose Pucks, the franchise. He barely gets any points. That's a big part of uh, getting a big contract if you're a puck-moving guy. So you're going to have versatility with him in the cap world, which now they've upped this decor. Sanderson is going to be due for a big contract soon. So that's going to have huge value there. The second thing is you can play both sides. He's said many times publicly, I like playing the right sides, the left shot that can play both sides. So you can put him anywhere. You mentioned he's best used as top four minutes where he can get that ice time. Well, like Ross mentioned, Chikrin and Shabbat haven't necessarily had the best best health records, so you can keep them down at your bottom six, but if need be, you got a guy that can jump right up there. Special teams, he can play on the power play, sure. Does he put up the points we thought he would? No, but he looks good out there. He distributes well. 
His advanced analytics are good on the power play. So he's a guy that can jump up there. He also can kill penalties. He had 111 uh, shorthanded minutes last uh, season. And when you're going to have guys like Nick Holden not coming back, that's a lot of penalty minutes, uh, penalty killing minutes you need filled. Eric Branson can do that. And then finally, you mentioned um, you want a big guy that's steady back there, kind of your Luke Shen type. In my eyes, I think the Senators have the making of a Luke Shen type guy in Tyler Clevin. And if you get a bottom pair of Tyler Clevin and Eric Branstrom, I think that can be very effective. So where I see true value, and I'll let you hop in here, Meth, I'll just wrap up. Where I see true value with Eric Branstrom is his versatility in a decor that now has all their pieces in place. You just need a a guy that can fill in holes if need be. And Eric Branstrom, as far as I'm concerned, can play anywhere on this decor in any situation in a small sample size. Yeah, and that's a great argument. And and, and it's the versatility aspect as far as him being able to fill in, especially with like the injury point that you guys are both making is 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 excellent. And, And I think I'd like to think this this decor is going to be healthier next year, but you're right. You can't you can't bank on that. Um, again, I think I'll, this, this is my one point that I'll just keep leaning on. It's, I just don't know what it's going to do to his confidence playing him on that third pairing. Like assuming this, yep. this team is relatively healthy for most of the year, he'll get buried down there. And when his, like, cause he finished off very well. Right. But for, for long stretches, there were some major confidence issues and that's when the team was pretty yep. healthy and he wasn't being relied on. And and I, I know what that feels like being a former player, and when you're being when you're being sort of buried on the third pairing, and you believed internally that you should be playing more minutes, it can really mess with your head because you're you're just you want to be needed out there. You want you you want it's it's a mental thing where you want your coach to want to put out there. You want to be known that okay, you're 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 a big part of this group, and that you know you're needed out there on the ice right now, and you're going to go play a lot of minutes, and you're going to whatever. My concern with Eric is just that. So if I hope I'm wrong, and I agree, the best case scenario for this whole group is that they don't have to do anything on the back end. They can just leave it all there together. And I wasn't suggesting that they go out and get another $5 million defenseman. Like yeah. You can get serv- serviceable guys. And I do think Clevin's not going to be on that third pairing forever. Like At some point, he'll, he'll need to be elevated, right? Nice. I think his ceiling is far higher than, than Artem Zub's. I I I I don't think it's even close. I love Zub. You guys know that. I've I mean I've I fawn over his play, especially last season, not this past year. Thought he had some rough spurts this year. You can only rely on the injury thing for so long. I know people say, well, he was hurt. Listen, everybody gets hurt. Um, if you're cleared to play and you're healthy, you know, there's a standard there. Um, I don't think he always met that there. I thought there were lulls during his play in the year. It's gonna happen. Um, I do think there was a, an adrenaline thing there in that first year. Everyone's fawning over his play. Uh, so it'll, I, I'm curious to see how he comes into next season. I do think, you know, you're going to get a lot less of those those crazy spurts, those offensive bursts that you see. I think Zub's going to settle in a little bit more to what he is, which is probably more what we saw this past year, which 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 leads me to my point. This is another hot take for you guys. I And this isn't just me saying this. This is I've had these discussions with other hockey people. I think that that contract's not going to look great in the next year or two. It could be wrong, but I think at some point he's going to level off a little more and he's probably going to end up on your third pairing and your top four is going to be more dynamic. Clevin's going to be up there a little bit more as well. You're going to get more offensive output from Chikrin. Hot take for sure. 
love Zub, love his play. Uh, I can relate to it, but I do think at some point that contract might look a little iffy. We'll see. I hope I'm wrong. Hey, at least it's not the seven years at 4.6 that Nikita Zaitsev was making. Four years, a little bit more manageable. Nightmare. Yeah, but we all knew that was a shit contract to begin with. I think a lot of people were surprised uh, early on. I was certainly one of them. Yeah. At the time, I didn't say much because my role in media wasn't really significant yet. But uh, not a big fan of that contract. I'm glad they shed it. Yeah, 100%. And, oh, man, we were robbed of seeing Nikita Zaitsev play center with uh, Chicago. He took <laughs> center. I was like, oh, my God. That was great. Yeah, that my, was great. I, I was getting roasted by probably the same people that that hate your Eric Branstrom talk when I said, like, I don't know how spicy this is, but I felt like Travis Hamnick had a better second half of the season than Artem Zub. So big summer. He for- did. But yeah. man, when he's playing physical at his best, like that's a guy you want in the playoffs in terms of Artem Zub, yeah. physical along the wall, doesn't but, get. But, and, but that leads me to my other point that I made earlier. I'll, I'll be very quick. They don't have a lot of size back there. You think they do, but like Zub's not a very big, imposing person. Hamannick's, he's pretty physical, but look at some of the top fours around the NHL. Like look at, look at the Rangers, look at Carolina, like it, yeah. like Slavin, uh, Pesci, Pesci, those are big physical guys. I'm not it, saying they are, but me- they're big. Yes, they skate well. They're rangy. They eat up a lot of ice, and they can make that good first pass. That's what I'm saying. Like this isn't me saying I want a bunch of big mutants back there. I want guys that cover a lot of ice. That's what coaches want. You're seeing it in the playoffs. So Ottawa doesn't really have that. They've got Clevin now. Like they've got a lot of guys that are sort of mid range. And that leads to the argument I always made about JBD, about Lassie Thompson. Like I don't see it. It doesn't work for me. I mean, I want some guys that can eat more ice. Anyway, I don't want to push that point too much. I know it gets exhausting for people to hear. Sorry. I love it. I feel like this is That's the good. medium where you can actually like expand your thoughts more than, you know, the, the character limit on Twitter where you can actually kind of, you know, re- reason with why you feel the way you do. And um, yeah right or wrong i appreciate the banter and i I think it's important we're gonna have plenty of storylines to hit on all summer long math we can't thank you enough i don't know if you saw the leaderboard but you are far and away the most recurring guest on locked on senators it goes like lots at three then we've got igor at four we've got ian at seven tony's at eight scott wheeler's at seven boom this is the 13th appearance mark method on locked on i love it we can't thank you i love it it's really great and uh we'll do it again soon now it feels like off season obviously your tsn responsibilities are are minimal now so we uh we're gonna take full advantage of your insight and uh and yeah we'll be knocking on your door sooner rather than later man appreciate you guys thank you final thoughts final thoughts are that this is yet another great slate of playoff games like i mentioned i'm going to be locked on to the jets game tonight but i mean leafs tampa Game four, this is a huge one. I'm I'm missing that one, though. There's a much more important game. I'm going to the OJHL finals. My calling with Blues <laughs> up against Trenton tonight. So I don't really care too much about Leafs playoff game, whatever. Uh, it's OJHL final time, so let's go. There you go. Nice. Final, final question for you, Matt, because the game starts at 8.30 Central time tonight. Like, how, Does that throw a wrench in guys' preparations, or it's playoffs, you'll, you'll adjust? You just adjust. I mean, that's that's a weird time. I can understand accommodating games, obviously, and you want to make sure that you're layering them properly. Like, was it Sunday? Yeah, it was yesterday. That was yeah. fantastic. Like, Perfect look at the layout. Starts. You yeah. can sit on your couch and not have to leave all day, and there was a game on. Yeah. So, I get that. It's annoying for the players, but ultimately, it's about making money, and it's a business, and it's you accept it. I mean, not to say it's tough being a fan, but it's hard on us too. We're leaving the game at eleven fifteen. Some of us have to work tomorrow. 
Yeah, it's late. I know. I I I, I hated it as a player. I mean, I love the earlier the better. Afternoon, one, two o'clock in the afternoon. That's prime time for Mark. <laughs> oh yeah, quicker to get down to the Glebe Central Pub. All right, that's <laughs> today for Mark Mathot and Brandon Pillar. I'm Ross Levitan, and this has been the Locked On Senators Podcast. Your team every day. <laughs>